Hi, this is Ryan Hendricks. And Evan Bowles. And you're listening to The Straight Flush, a podcast produced by the Virginia Water Environment Association. So we're at Water Jam 2021. Absolutely. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Good to see everyone. Um, we've got our mobile recording studio uh, where we've recorded a number of podcasts. This is one that we recorded here at uh, the Virginia Beach Convention Center. And uh, maybe, Ryan, you can give us a little synopsis of what we heard about today. Absolutely. So we're going to continue on with our diversity, equity, and inclusion series. Um, we've got another great episode, uh, thought-provoking, and another great perspective on what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. Our guest host is Sean Heselton. He is the chief of Interceptor Operations South Shore with HRSD. And he's joined today with our guest, Darissa Pitts-Page. And Darissa is a human resources business partner with HRSD. Can't wait to hear this conversation. And with that, let's turn it over to Sean and Darissa. Here we go. Welcome to the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion podcast. I'm Sean Heselton, and I'm here with Darissa Pitts-Page from HRSD. Our episode today is entitled Engaging and Developing the Next Generation of Water Workers and Leaders. Welcome, Darissa. Thanks for having me, Sean. No problem. So so I, we, we started this whole diversity, equity, inclusion discussion. We did a podcast before this talking about what diversity, equity, inclusion meant to VWEA in the Virginia section of AWWA and why this task force was so important to our journey because that's what it is. It's a journey and it's going to be a journey with a long, long road that's well beyond our ages here. But what I wanted to know first off is, you know, what does diversity, equity, inclusion mean to you? Well, diversity, equity, inclusion is something that I am very passionate about. It has been my life's work. Um, I always like to start off with equity because I feel like an organization needs to have equitable culture, practices, and policies before you can get the the D and the I right. So for equity, um, there's this commercial that I love, uh, Southern New Hampshire University, and hopefully I get it right. In the world in which we live, equally gives out talent, but doesn't equally give out opportunities and everyone's path isn't the same. Okay, And so that kind of like hits the nail on the head for me, because when I think about equity, it's like you need to recognize that people are not one size fits all. Right. And we need to be able to meet people where they are as an individual and also just kind of strive for, you know, equal and fair treatment, access, opportunities and advancement while eliminating barriers that have prevented some groups from being a part of it. Um, when I think about uh, inclusion. So let me kind of back up. So with equity, I feel like you're giving them a table right. and whatever table works for them. Right. Okay. So then you have diversity and with diversity, that's just about accepting, embracing, respecting and valuing everything that makes us different and unique. And then being open to sharing the commonalities that make us similar. And so that's your seat at the table. Right. So then you have the last piece of this, which is the inclusion piece. So that's giving people a sense of belonging and just giving people the opportunity to be able to bring their authentic selves to work um, at all levels and 
throughout the organization. Right. And so that's your voice at the table. Right, right. So. And that's human nature, right? I mean, that's human Absolutely. nature for every to, for everybody to feel included mm-hmm. as part of any part of discussion, whether it's at work, at home, in personal life, professional life. It's it's all about that. That, mm-hmm. that That's fantastic. Um, and, and very ties in very, very well with our previous podcast. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, full disclosure, we're both from the same utility, HRSD, right? So, so what are some of the programs and initiatives our utility is doing in order to promote DEI? So, HRSD said as an organization, well, what can we do to be proactive to address the gaps in the water industry um, and leverage opportunities for us to ensure that we have future success and how do we align that with our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives? So in 2007, we partnered with the Hampton Roads Public Works Academy as a member organization to provide paid internships um, to their cadets. So I'm very familiar with the Hampton Roads Public mm-hmm. Works Academy because I actually have a couple of my own staff that that have have found great success with the Hampton Roads Public Works Academy. So for listeners, what exactly is the Hampton Roads Public Works Academy? So the Hampton Roads Public Works Academy, also known as HRPWA, they're a regional coalition um, that is comprised of member organizations, which are local municipalities as well as HRSD. And they promote public utilities and public works cooperative training in southeastern Virginia. Um, they also educate high school students um, to develop our next water workers in public works and public utilities. Um, and part of that is their cadet program. And that's where I kind of become involved. Okay. So. Okay. So, so tell me about these cadets. What are some of the trades that they can get in, involved with? Because we're, we talk about this in the water sector all the time. We're always striving for that next round of generation for, for water professionals, right? Water, individuals that are going to take over for this silver tsunami that's already hitting the area, right? Hitting Absolutely. the water sector. So, so tell me more a little bit about the trades and, and the cadet program. And Sure. So it's a two-year hands-on program to which we pull students from the local area vocational and technical high schools. Okay. So um, I'm part of selecting the cadets for the program. Um, part of the program is to, um, they have to go to their Votech classes. They have to take classes at their home school, but they also have to take um, 32 cadet courses, which are taught by subject matter experts from the local municipalities or from HRSD. Hmm. So they take 16 classes their junior year, 16 cadet courses their senior year. And then to wrap everything up is they're required to do a paid internship with one of the member organizations. So I help out with the recruitment efforts for HRSD to bring the cadets on board and offer them the paid internship for eight weeks. Wow. Paid internship yeah. when you're in high school. Uh, that's a dream of, that was a dream of mine back then and that not available to me. Um, that's fantastic. That is great. So I, I guess to broaden it out to our membership though. So how can VWEA help in that regard? So what can we do to help promote programs like the Hampton Roads Public Works Academy? So part of what HRPWA does is they offer low-cost training to their member organizations. And so VWEA can get involved in um, possibly providing tools, resources, um, equipment to help out with training, um, as well as offer any relevant training like webinars, um, also providing tours of facilities since that is part of um, what the cadets have to do. 
or becoming a subject matter expert and teaching one of the 32 cadet courses. So we're always looking for people who could get involved with that. Um, in addition to, we give out scholarships to the high-performing um, cadets at VOTEC and uh, APWA uh, usually gives out the scholarships, but hey, VWEA, feel free to come on and participate and give some money. <laughs> Sounds like a great, great program. Uh, I mean, especially one that seeds, right? The ability to be able to find individuals in high school that are looking for opportunities that they may not want to pursue in college. They, they may want to pursue other things that are desperately needed in today's day and, day and age. Yeah. And although, you know, we're pulling from Votech because for a long time we were just pushing STEM, STEM, but we still need skilled trades. And so by pulling from Votech, we're introducing them to careers in the skilled trades. They're able to be hands on and apply what they're learning in school to what they're doing during the internship. Um, and it's just building a diverse pipeline of talent for the organization. Um, it's bringing in fresh and new ideas and perspectives. Um, so, I mean, it's been very successful for HRSD. Um, we've had 97% completion. Wow. We've hired six of them in part-time positions. We've hired 18 of them in full-time positions. Eight of them have been promoted. Six of them have taken advantage of our continuing education benefits. So, Wow, that is awesome. So, so give me a little flavor of, you know, you mentioned how VWA can maybe help out, our membership can help out with being subject matter experts, for mm -hmm. example. So give me a little flavor of some of the things that they could help out with to be okay. subject matter experts. So I am a subject matter expert, okay. and I teach the workforce readiness skills class okay. um, and employability. But also they have safety, they have water treatment, wastewater treatment, flagging, CPR, GIS, uh, custodial, landscaping, uh, math skills. Uh, which we know are are lacking these days, Absolutely. especially for yeah. our, our apprenticeship program. Um, and there's many more. Yeah, but, I don't expect yeah. you to go through the whole 32, <laughs> but but that that gives us a great flavor of uh, again some of the things that that we as a membership can can help out and strive to do because we're constantly looking at opportunities to be able to to talk to our youth, talk to them about some of the great important work that we're doing every day in the water sector. And usually we go in person to teach our subject matter expert class. However, due to COVID and the kids going, you know, to virtual learning, I actually ended up recording my presentation, um, had my face and my, my slides and we put it on YouTube. And so that's how we were able to engage with the students. So we didn't have to be in person. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, good. So, uh, you know, one of the other things that, that you and I have discussed many in opportunities is to look at WEF's inflow program. Mm -hmm. And so those that aren't familiar with WEF's inflow program, um, the inflow program stands for introducing future leaders, uh, to opportunities in water. And so having that ability to be able to reach out to colleges, minority colleges to talk about the different things that, that we can offer in the water sector. So, you know, WEF's inflow program was developed a few years ago and has been a huge success, one that other member associations have have now dipped their feet into the lake, right, and said, hey, we want to do the exact same thing. And one that we as Virginia also looking at the same thing, of course, COVID hit and and we've had some challenges. What are what's your vision 
for potentially doing something like the WEF inflow program? I am very excited about inflow. Um, I was so glad when you asked me if I would be willing to be a part of it because you're giving opportunities that these students normally would not even know about um, or just have access to. So it's awesome. I'm excited. I can't wait till we start doing it. So what has been the issue? What is what have been the barriers? What have been the things that that have have uh, again, students don't know what they don't know. Right. Right. So what what have been some of those barriers that maybe we need to look at and really concentrate and focus on? So I just think it's you go for partnerships with the schools that you know, mm-hmm. or maybe the ones that um you have alumni in your organization that have graduated from there. So, or maybe they're local. So it's just more convenient to tap into those organizations. But there are many HBCUs, small and large, that you can cast a wide net to and have no issue with being able to recruit them. I just feel like there's a lot of brilliant minds at HBCUs, untapped talent. Um, I'm a graduate of HBCU. Hampton University, go Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> so HRSD was lucky to snatch me up. But um, in recent years, you know, HBCUs have been getting a lot more attention, especially, you know, with everything that went on last year. So, you know, now organizations are throwing money at HBCUs. Um, people who normally were going to D1 schools to play ball are now okay. saying they want to go to HBCUs. Wow. So, I mean, the momentum is there and I think we can, you know, build on it and try to get in there and get some of these folks. And so for the, for the, for the edification of our listeners, right, mm-hmm. HBCU stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Is that yes, correct? That's okay, correct. great. And how many, how far reaching is it in Virginia? Because I know Virginia has phenomenal schools. Mm-hmm. I talk to my own son and say, you are staying in Virginia because Virginia has phenomenal schools. So how far reaching are HBCUs in Virginia? So you have Hampton University, you have Norfolk State, uh, you have Virginia Union, you have Virginia State. And those are all the ones that I could think of right. in Virginia. But then you have North Carolina A&T. Um, so, you know, just in the next state from us. Right, 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 right. Well, good. So, so how can we implement Inflow using these HBCUs? So we really need to start establishing relationships with HBCUs, right? So how do you do that? That's what we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some of the challenges? Well, if you have alumni, such as myself, you know, find out in your organization who went to what school. So that is perfect for you to be able to use them to help you out with recruitment. Um, Post your jobs at their career centers. Attend their career events. Um, Go to some of their tailgates or sponsor a tailgate. Go to their football games. Put um, ads in their printed material. Um, Sponsor off-site networking type of events. Build relationships with professors of specific majors that you know know that your organization needs. Um, So then that way you can send out the job description to that professor recruit from from them. Um, what else? It's just so many ways we could get involved. Go speak to a class. Um, if they have an advisory board, become a part of that. 
So I think there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, we just have to kind of know where to start. Sure. And again, you know, I this is a passion for me. I have already started reaching out to the HBCUs so we can build partnerships. So I think we're on the right track once we get started. Excellent. So. Excellent. Yeah. And yeah, once we get started, right? Once, once, once COVID goes away. But we may have to end up living with, with our current reality, mm -hmm. right? And so I guess another question off the top of my head that, that I've, I've been struggling in my mind is how do we now work with trying to work towards a path of diversity, equity, inclusion in the current world? Hmm. Giving me hard questions. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm here <laughs> for. <laughs> I just think that... We just need to start having inclusive mindsets. And, you know, not everybody's going to get there. Um, okay. and that's okay. Um, but I think that it is important for us to know what it's like to feel excluded and not to fit in. Right. And it's not a good feeling, right? Right. And when you're excluded, that actually affects the same place in your brain as pain, like if you were to be hit. And so, you know, just having empathy, putting yourself in other people's shoes. And I mean, you have to see these people every single day more than you see your own family. So we have to be able to work towards the goals of the organization and get to know one another. So what are some other things that you can think of that, that we can get to know one another on that bigger playing field of making sure that we're thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion? So as you know, with HRSD, um, I started Courageous Conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and those listening sessions, it was completely voluntary. Right. We gave people a safe space to be able to say what they needed to say, whether good or bad. Um, there's a lot of tears. Mm -hmm. Um, but we had good participation. I think there were a lot of people who just needed to express themselves right. and what they've been going through and share that with other people. And it was nice to have allies there to say, what can I do to help? What do you need from me? And that was awesome in itself to know that I had coworkers who maybe haven't gone through what I've been through, but they're there for me and they want to know, they want to learn. And that's always been my experience. I mean, I grew up in Old Bridge, New Jersey, mm -hmm. um, with all different races, ethnicities, religions, cultures, languages, food. Right. And that's how I learned. And all of those experiences made me me. Right. And I just want everyone else to be able to experience those things. So. Yeah. And we, we know that this is, this is going to make some people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, one of the things that I've always strived for is, is making sure that, that, we have the opportunity for people to listen. They may not have a lot to say, but it's just having that open ear and open mind to be able to make sure that diversity, equity, inclusion is, is part of our speak, part of our discussion, part of our talking to where it's not even, it's just something natural. Right. Right. It's just something that we don't even have to think about. We don't even have to look at this checklist and say, Oh, got diversity. Oh, don't have inclusion. I got to get that check mark. So uh, other thoughts, other other ideas about diversity, equity, inclusion, particularly within VWEA? Well, just coming to, you know, this water jam, um, 
but I didn't come until late so I could participate in this podcast. But I looked around and I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me. So, and, you know, being an underrepresented minority, I'm used to that. I'm comfortable. It doesn't bother me. But not everyone's like me. And it would be nice to see representation. And that's what we're trying to do, this DEI stuff. So, I mean, what can we do? Uh, the things that we've talked about. Right. I mean, it's a start. And as long as we, again, keep it in the forefronts of our mind and not become complacent and not make it something we're just checking off the list, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, complacency is is that thing that that, that we always strive not to, to, to fall into. Um, and I truly think that especially platforms like this and this podcast will be able to give us the ability to be able to make sure that this is a constant conversation, um, constant something that we're thinking about. And we'll see these initiatives, all these things that we're, we're dreaming up. I truly feel like I'm, we're, we're part of it and we'll be inclusive about it. And we'll make sure that everybody else knows full well that we're, we're, we're here to keep talking about it. That's we're not amazing. here to stop. Um, any other parting words, any, anything else that, that, that you can think of that maybe we didn't cover? No, I just appreciate all your efforts in the DE&I task force. And, you know, again, just keeping this in people's minds. Um, you've been amazing. You've been a great ally. Um, and I enjoy working with you. And I appreciate you for inviting me to come on here and speak with you all. So. All right. Well, thank you, Darissa, so much for you, you speaking with us today. Um, stay tuned for other episodes. Uh, we have a variety of different folks that this is on the forefront of their minds as well. And, and, and we can't wait to be able to talk to other individuals about their own DE&I journey. Thank you very much, Darissa, for joining us today. Thank you. Man, what a thought-provoking conversation with Duressa. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the perspectives that she shared with us today are going to be invaluable as we continue to shape the culture of our industry. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I, and, and it's just more excitement about what we're going to hear out of this diversity, equity, and inclusion mm-hmm. podcast series. So I can't wait to hear more on this. Right. It's exciting to hear a lot of different perspectives. I think she had a great one. Absolutely. Yes. So once again, we'd like to thank uh, Darissa Pitts-Page for uh, joining us today as a guest host. And once again, we'd like to continue to thank Sean Heselton for leading this uh, continuing DE&I series for our membership. And uh, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're a VWA member and have an idea for an episode, please contact us at podcast at VWA.org. And thanks again for listening to The Straight Flush. Thanks, everyone. The Straight Flush is a proud production of the Virginia Water Environment Association and its members. This podcast is co-produced and edited by Ryan Hendricks and Evan Bowles, with theme music composed by Evan Bowles and art by Corey Bowles. The content contained in the podcast you just heard reflect the views and opinions of the podcast participants and do not reflect the views of the Virginia Water Environment Association or associated affiliates. The Straight Flush is presented for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to serve as a basis of any action or recommendation. Thanks for listening to The Straight Flush.